the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Better Together and it is all about community. So are you connected with others in your neighborhood? Are you looking for a real friend when you need one? Pastor Sean's message will encourage you to trust God to begin and build authentic community. Because that's what he created us for. Reachingforreallife.org has his full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. It's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today it's part two of the message called Living in Community. Pastor Sean will teach from 1 Peter chapter 4 and James chapter 5. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Said above all, keep loving one another. Above all, I think Peter, if he could be with us today right now, he would say, above all, don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. Write that down. It's the main point I want you to grab onto. Above all, don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. See, I learned something very early in ministry. There is something extraordinary, and I've used the phrase, and it's, I know it's not magic, but I've used the phrase. It's almost like magic. The power of healthy, life-giving community. As a youth pastor, I, dis- I discovered this thing. Because parents would drop off a student to the youth ministry who didn't want to be there. You could tell. Her- their parents had dragged them there. They had to throw them out of the car and lock the car, and they give them to me, and I thanked them appropriately. Thank you for this. It's very nice. Because nothing's as fun as a rebellious teenager. It's just great. But they dropped this kid off, and he, he was mad, didn't want to be there, didn't believe, didn't like anybody. These aren't my friends. But he's got to come because his parents are going to church or because they say he's got to come, and there he is. I watched, and i got to tell you, the thing that made the big breakthroughs wasn't my wonderful teaching. And it was wonderful. It's truly breathtaking. Wasn't even the times of worship, which were significant. It was community. We learned something. We stumbled on something that, that just became a staple of our youth ministry. We always went out after youth ministry or on Sundays after church. We hung out with our students. It just became normal to hang out. And I watched those kids who at first were on the outskirts, and all we did, and it wasn't like we were sitting there, and I'm Pastor Sean talking about spiritual stuff. No, we were just hanging out at a restaurant, cracking jokes, talking about whatever sport we're talking about, talking about whatever show we're watching, and just my job was just kind of, facilitating and making sure everybody was involved. Everybody felt good. And the one who's cracking on some other kid, I lovingly crack on him and kind of let him know, dude, that's not what we do. You know, and just try to make sure we're loving each other and having fun together. And I would watch kids begin to just open up. And what's fascinating, that relational connection that happened, I, almost without exception, it opened up the door to the gospel. It opened up. Now all of a sudden they weren't mad. They wanted to come to hang out with students, with other students, because, well, 
they liked it. They wanted friends, and these people cared about them. These people were kind to them. These people were friends. And something opened up, and I watched kid after kid after kid open up to Jesus Christ, open up to the power of God's Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit the whole time, but he was working in community. He was working in community. And it's powerful. You know, one of the things we talk about, youth camp. Youth camp is a very powerful thing. That's why we do it. That's why we believe in it and encourage you to send your students to youth camp. Kids come away from youth camp, and it's so, so common, it's almost cliche. Well, how was camp? What happened? What, what, what happened? He asked him to testify. Well, I got closer to God, and I made new friends. The same thing. You know, I got closer to God, and I made new friends. And it's like, okay, anybody got anything different? Stop. Think about that. I got closer to God, made new friends. What were the two most important things Jesus said? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Dude, that's a good camp. That's a good camp. That's a success. If they got closer to God and they opened up to him and they worshiped him and they listened to him and they experienced something in relationship with their father and they met some other believing young people and they grew in those relationships, that's a good camp. The two most important things. Check, check. There we are. And you're like, well, I'm sure that's great in youth camp and all. Dude, stop. Okay? I know you're older, and you're, you know, you've got it all together now. All you are is a bunch of little bit older kids, all right? I mean, we do. We, we, you know, we, we've got our stuff. We've got our responsibilities. And stuff, but we're just a little bit older teenagers because we all want to be loved. We all want those kind of meaningful relationships. We all want people we can be embraced and just accepted. And there is something powerful and transformative in healthy community. I am a sold-out believer in the power of biblical community. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. I think every believer should commit to relationships. Let's talk about attendance, relationships with a community of other believers because I think there are some essential benefits of life-giving community. Here they are real quickly. First, in community we love each other. In community we love each other. That's where it starts. We're made for love. Jesus said, most important thing, love God with everything you got, love your neighbor as yourself. We are made for this. It is the bottom line. And in community, in life-giving community, we love each other. And remember how we define love. Unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Unconditional commitment, imperfect person. Say that with me. Unconditional commitment, imperfect person. Good. Because it's like, I want to be unconditionally committed to perfect people like me. Really, and, and it happens all the time. It's like as long as someone is, is making me happy and they're not offending me, they're not stepping on my toes, man, I'm, I'm loving them. Mm, it's so good. But the minute they say something stupid, they do something stupid, they misread me, they say something I don't like, it's like, oh, I'm out. I'm going to go find another place with perfect people like me, which is ridiculous. There are no perfect people. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Oh, I feel this love. Yes, there is, uh, technically there's this feeling of love. That's great. But it stems from what is first a choice, love. It's a make love a verb is the idea. Make love a verb, to love someone. It is to choose and to make an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. And folks, I mean, you just need to know how critical that is because many people walk through their whole lives and never understand that. Never understand that that's how it has to be. And I love it. People come to River City. Oh, it's such a loving church. And God, it's so beautiful. For about two weeks, we're the perfect church. It's so awesome. The innocence, the, sh- the glow. They found the perfect church. And it's us. 
That's the person I almost, I told you before, I almost want to go and just offend them early. Okay? Just say something really dumb and offensive on the front end. Get it out of the way, because it's going to happen. It's a bunch of people. It's a bunch of people, and we're all imperfect. We're all sinners, saved by grace, sinners in need of a Savior. And so that's the bottom line. This, in community, we love one another. We are created for it. We know we need it. A place where I can love and I can be loved. That's what life-giving community at its core is about. And it is a reflection of our Heavenly Father, who the Scripture says God is what? Love. He is love. Community is we are, we are that reflection. We are mirroring His love that He's poured out towards us to one another. And it is powerful. It is transformative. In community, we love each other. Don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. Second, in community, we give grace to each other. In community, we give grace to each other. Also in verse 8. Verse 8, he says, above all, love each other. And he says, remember why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. And he's talking to the church. So in churches, there are a multitude of sins. Let's get it out in the open. Love covers. It doesn't mean it lies about it. It doesn't mean it doesn't call sin, sin. It just means love covers a multitude of sins. The fact that people offend me, the fact that people might hurt me or say something that that bothers me. Love says, okay, I'm not going to pretend that that didn't hurt. I'm not going to pretend that that's not, that's not something that shouldn't happen, but I'm going to remain committed. My love is going to cover that sin and not cause that sin to create brokenness and separation, which is what sin always does. See, we give grace to each other, and we live in a world, folks, in a gotcha kind of world, where we, what little concept of grace our world had, they are losing even more. It is insane to me to watch and to just watch the public discourse, to to be on social media, which is hard. It's really hard to be on social media and hear this stuff that people have to spew out on one another. And of course, they can't afford any sort of of depth or nuance because they got 144 characters to work with. So they just blow it out there. And it's just this ridiculous stuff. And, but the tone is so angry and adversarial. And so, ha, gotcha. And we want to write people off forever. We want to destroy people. So in the midst of that world and a community where we really love each other and we actually give each other grace is like a breath of fresh air, isn't it? It's so uncommon, so life-giving. Bono, rock singer, band U2, great band, uh, well-known. He's quoted as once saying, the most powerful idea that has entered the world in the last few thousand years is this idea of grace. And it is a reason I would like to be a Christian. Though, as I said to The Edge, who's the U2's guitarist, I said to him one day, I sometimes feel more like a fan. Listen, this is really good. I sometimes feel more like a fan rather than actually in the band. I can't live up to it. But the reason that I would like to is the idea of grace. It's really powerful. I sometimes feel like a fan. Grace is so powerful. This grace of Christ, this Christ-centered life of grace. I'm a fan. I don't know that I can live up to it. I'm not sure I'm in the band. I'm not sure I'm actually playing the tune. But I'd like to. Because grace is so beautiful. See, grace provides a safe place for people to learn. Do you know we're supposed to be people who learn? 
implied in learning is this idea of grace because it means I didn't know something, I'm still learning, and maybe now I do know something that I didn't know before. And hopefully in the future I'll know some things that I didn't know now. Learning is about growth and grace provides a safe place for me to learn and to try things out. It provides a safe place for me to fail. Do you know it's impossible to grow and to learn without failing, without trial and error? Grace provides a safe place. See, without grace, everybody starts covering up and pretending they got it all together. Man, I, I, a, a church that sings amazing grace, but where everybody has to get out of the car, they're fighting with their wife, they're whacking the kids in the back seat in the car, and then they get out, and all of a sudden, they're all sweet and together. Good morning, brother. <laughs> and they're southern all of a sudden. I don't even get that part. Why are you southern? Oh, because God's so good. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it kills me. I mean, this should be the place, not that we come and dump all our garbage out in the middle of the room, but that we can be ourselves, where we just be people who, man, we love Jesus. That's what draws us together, and we need Jesus. We need Jesus. And everybody else in the room needs Jesus. So I'm not expecting anybody else to, I'm not expecting anyone else to be perfect. That was Jesus. I'm expecting everyone else to want to become more like him and to follow him and to be growing. And grace creates that environment where we can learn, where we can fail. It's a safe place where, listen, so good, where your place in the community is not contingent on your performance. There's so many other communities in the world, my place is contingent on my performance. Not this place. Not healthy, biblical community. We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Living in Community. It's in the series Better Together, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, Living in Community. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Got this note from dad, a guy in our church, a single dad named Tony. He's in one of our men's group. Here's what he said. He said, about a year ago, I came to San Antonio to be near my son after my ex-wife moved to the area. I found it was hard to connect with other people due to my travel schedule and the time I really wanted to devote to my son. So I decided to try and find some friends at River City. While at one of the services, a pastor invited me to attend his men's group. 
Well, I went in with trepidation. Half expecting, listen, male Christian robots with a bunch of scripture posturing to present the whole I got it all together resume. And he probably expected them to be kind of southern. My apologies to anyone who's southern. I apologize. That's wrong. But you know what I mean, that little sweetsy perfect thing, you know. That's what, that's what, he just is expecting this kind of uh, Ned Flanders kind of thing, right? Tattly diddly. <laughs> wow, a lot of you all are Simpsons buffs. Okay, all right. I feel you. I feel you. He expected that and said, what I got and said shocked me. Listen, I was vulnerable and weak at first as I confessed my sin. Instead of preaching or admonishing me, these men started to admit weaknesses as well and show me empathy. They entered into my walk with Jesus. God, this is so powerful. They entered into my walk with Jesus. Weekly, we built a trust and shared deeply the contents of our hearts. I found myself, listen, this is so profound. I found myself rooting for these men every day. Thinking about how I wanted God's best for them. Do you realize that kind of vulnerability, an environment of grace creates that? He's rooting for these guys in his group every day. Think about how I wanted God's best for them. We would help each other. We would text stupid jokes to one another. That's a part of any important relationship, by the way. We even made a fantasy football league, and if their friendships can withstand that, my gosh, how good. We even made a fantasy football league. I felt vulnerable and valuable. That's good. Now, here we all are. These men accept nothing less than authentic. These are my new brothers. Yeah, that's good. They teach me with their wisdom and their walk. This group has made me a better man, a better father. And they've shown me God's love and grace in my life. I'm glad I made the jump. I couldn't imagine life without these men now. That's the power of grace-filled Christ-filled community. It is a greenhouse for growth. Don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. In community, we take care of each other. In community, we take care of each other. What's interesting, in verse 9, he used the word, he says, show hospitality one to another. What's interesting about the word in the Greek is it's a word that typically means, it implies, it's even used to talk about strangers, aliens, foreigners. But yet he's talking about the body and to one another. It's almost like a, it's like, wow, that's an odd word to use. Show the same hospitality you show when you're at your best, this idea of Middle Eastern hospitality, almost this obligation to help a stranger. They live in an inhospitable, kind of arid climate, and it's like when a stranger comes, you have this moral obligation to help take care of them and get them on their way. It's different with family. Yeah, you want to take care of family and stuff, but it's like with family, I'm like, oh, God, I helped him out last week with this. I helped him out the week before with this. Is is he ever going to learn? You get kind of tired of it. And and he's saying, no, no, that same hospitality, that same care for one another, I want you to show that to one another. I want you to be up for your best in how you care for, you show hospitality and love with one another. The same way you care for someone in need, just regularly take care of each other. That way, I love watching that. In our community groups, I see that happen all the time. Someone's going through something, and I've seen people take up an offering to help someone in their group. I've seen someone go and take care of the kids through a difficult time. I've seen someone go, and they they help someone find housing. They help big stuff, and they just care for each other. People who are in that kind of community aren't walking through it alone. They love each other, and they take care of each other. See, don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. In community, we take care of each other. In community, we serve each other. Remember verse 10, 11? What's interesting, the way he said that, he said, serve one another, and he said, 
The one who speaks, do it to serve. And then he says the one who serves. So in other words, he's talking about serve each other in word and in deed. In word and in deed. How do I serve someone in word? One of the best ways we can serve people with our words is encourage them. We live in a world where where there are people lining up. Every one of us could probably name people who it feels like they're just looking to tear us down. Maybe we've got a position they think they should have. Maybe we did something that they don't like. Whatever the reason, there's all kinds of people lining up to put you in your place and tell you what you're not doing. Let's be a place who encourages. We serve each other with our words. We remind people, wait a minute, you're created in God's image. God has a plan for you. You're filled with gifts of the Spirit. Do you know God has something for you that is beyond anything you can even imagine? Encourage each other with our words. Yeah, this might be difficult, this thing you're going through, and I'm with you. But also remember what God did before? God is faithful. He's good. He's here. Encourage each other with our words. And another way to to serve people with our words is speak the truth in love. That's not necessarily as fun as encouragement, right? People encouraging me is awesome. Yeah, I love that. People speaking the truth to me sometimes can be hard. You know, last week we talked about the wounds of a friend. They're precious, but they're still wounds. But man, when it's done in love, when you know that person is in your corner, they're for you, they're in your community, and they come and tell you, um, sweetheart, you're being kind of hard in this. You're being hard on her. I'm just telling you, I'm just holding up a mirror because I love you. I think you're not seeing the whole thing. You should, you should pray about that. Maybe let's talk, but go back, circle back around on this. Dude, I'm, I'm just telling you, you missed it. You missed it on this one. And you speak the truth to someone. This is what God's word says. This is what I've seen. I love you and I want the best for you. Those are precious. People who will hold up the mirror and tell you the truth. That happens in community. And then, of course, he says, he talks about, he talks about those who speak, serve, but then he says, and serve one another. Just roll up your sleeves. Roll up your sleeves. We serve each other all the time here. We've got a whole group of people right now working in children's ministry, serving all the parents, and I'm grateful for them. They're serving us. We've got people on the worship team who just served us by using their gifts to lead us into worship. We've got people out serving us in this experience. But we've got people serving by, by working on that cantina building that the youth are going to use. It's just about done now. And a whole group of people just serve the body. We serve people who go and serve at someone's house, help them fix some plumbing stuff that they couldn't fix on their own, help them with a need that they have. Serve one another. There's something powerful when community serves each other. We roll up our sleeves and help each other. Don't miss out on the power of life-giving community. And one last scripture passage, which is so significant. This is James, in James chapter 5. He says, Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any cheerful, let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're not alone. We're praying for each other. We're encouraging each other. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Look at this verse. This is powerful. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for one another that you may be healed. I want to say, in community, we hear each other's confessions and we pray for each other. It's almost sacramental when you think about it. This idea, and, and you know, we differ from the Catholics in the idea of the confessional, where there is a one person, a priest, who is fit and trained to hear confession. I think there's something right about confessing, and co- the power of confession. But what James is saying is, 
pray for each other. Hear each other's confession. Confess to one another. There's something very powerful. It's one of the core central pieces of our support and recovery groups. It's one of the core central pieces of community groups. There are just times when you you need to say, wow, I've really struggled with this and I need help. And then that powerful prayer of a brother or sister is transformative. There there is this, this sacramental, communal sense of connection when we understand. It's not just about our love for each other. No, no, we are loving one another filled with the Spirit in the presence of our Heavenly Father. And that those moments of sacred communion where a brother or sister sit down to get with another brother or sister and they're, they're just together and they say, you know what? I'm struggling with this. Pray for me. The community is a game changer. It's a group of people. A small group of people who know you. They love you and you love them. I want to ask you to commit to community today. If you're not connected in community, I want you to commit, okay, I'm going to get connected with a small group of people who love me, know, who I can know them, I can share with them, we can care for each other, we can give grace to each other, we can encourage each other. I'm going to walk in community. That's what the Word of God's for. It's not so we can just go, oh, that's good. No, that's interesting. Yeah, it's very nice. No, it's so we can actually do something about it and be changed. The power of transformation is in the acting on the Word of God, not just in the hearing, but in the doing. Second thing, expect imperfect people and be willing to love imperfect people. Give and receive grace. Man, that'll change groups. Everybody decides to give and receive grace. Number four, serve each other. Word, deed, serve each other. And then number five, pray for each other. If you do that, you'll have a powerful experience in community. And once you do that, you'll never go back. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Better Together, available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.